Blog Talk Radio. When I think of Walmart, the first thing that I think of typically are morbidly obese people riding around in electric carts uh, looking for the best values at the beginning of the month when the government checks uh, come in. Now, that might be a bit harsh, but um, I think it's pretty accurate, at least in some of the Walmarts that I've uh, tried to go into. So, I piqued my curiosity when I got this um, um, letter, not even a letter, it's an email from a big deal uh, PR firm uh, headquartered in uh, Atlanta. Uh, it said something really interesting. It said something that uh, Walmart turning out to be really an evil villain here when it comes to driving. Driving. Now, whatever else you might think of Walmart, I mean, they've done good things, they've done bad things, like, you know, most companies, you know, most people and all that, but I never equate Walmart with driving in any way, shape, or form, so I was thinking, you know, this might be worth actually reading. So I started reading about this, and there's this guy named Eric Peters, who has done some really interesting work here analyzing what Walmart is up to connected to, uh, well, corn. Now, you might think to yourself, wait a minute, corn, you were just talking about driving the meat. What the hell are you talking about here? Well, turns out that corn has become a really important part of the automobile because of something called ethanol, or what some people call ethanol, but essentially it's, well, it's corn, and they put it in the gas tank. Now, what does this have to do with Walmart, and why is this making Walmart out to be some kind of a villain, super, you know, super villain and all that? And I thought to myself, gosh, I can't begin to actually understand all of the nuances here connected with Walmart and corn and gasoline and all, you know, this, that, and the other, and something called renewables. And uh, But I thought, you know, if I could get this guy, if I could get this Eric Peters to come on the show here, One Dimitri Radio, and explain it in terms so simple that even I, who barely got through high school, could understand, hey, win-win. And so I reached out to the to the uh, uh, PR firm, big deal PR firm, and they said, well, let's see what we can do if we can somehow book this guy. He's very busy. He's doing all sorts of different things. And, uh, well, this has uh, turned out to be a really, really good day because we actually booked him. So Eric Peters, welcome to One Dimitri Radio. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I've got a cup of coffee, and like Nixon in 68, I'm tanned, rested, and ready. Nice. Nice. <laughs> all right. Now, what what is corn doing in my gas tank? Well, it's ethanol alcohol, which is made of corn. And this is something that the federal government, our friends in Washington, are responsible for. Uh, there is a mandate uh, that a certain percentage of uh, so-called renewable fuel be introduced into the fuel supply. Many people may not be aware of the fact that the gas that they buy is actually 10% ethanol and 90% gasoline. So it's adulterated fuel. And the, the reason that's touted for this is that uh, it is renewable, but it's enormously inefficient. Um, it's very expensive to produce the ethanol and not just the fuel. Something that your uh, listeners may not be aware of and might be interested to learn is that 40% of the country's corn crop goes to produce ethanol alcohol, and therefore it's not used to feed people, and it's not used to feed the animals that feed people. How about that? That's ridiculous. So uh, I don't know anything about a car except I can put the key in the ignition to give you an idea how old yep. my car is. i got an old Honda, and I turn the key and the car starts. So when you say they're adding this ethanol to my gas, adding this corn, but it's renewable. Is that good or bad? 
Well, it depends on which side of the equation you happen to be on. From the standpoint of you and I, the people who are driving the cars, it's probably not so good. Uh, ethanol contains less energy per gallon than gasoline does. And that's one reason why, um, despite all the technological advances that we've seen over the past 15 or 20 years, the fuel economy of modern cars is not particularly good. Um, some of your listeners may remember that in the 80s, before we had computer controls and before we had fuel injection and overdrive transmissions, it was fairly common for economy cars to get 40 miles per gallon or even better. Uh, but that was because they were burning 100% gasoline. Today, cars are burning E10, which is 10% ethanol and 90% gas, and so their gas mileage is not uh, as good as it could be. You can't go as far on a gallon of E10 as you can on a regular gallon of just straight gasoline. That's one problem. Well, that, well, that means, well, 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 back to the, back, before we get mm -hmm. to the second problem, so does that mean that I'm going to buy more gas to go the same distance as I used yes. to? Well, that sucks. That defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? Absolutely, it defeats the whole purpose. You would think. What a jip. Um, and, well, the other thing that is hugely problematic, um, if you have a vehicle, an older vehicle, or outdoor power equipment that was not designed to be compatible with high alcohol content fuels, um, you can end up with lots of problems relating to the alcohol content that's in the fuel. Alcohol is a very corrosive fuel. Like what? Uh, what, 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 what machines are we looking at? Like my weed whacker? Yeah. yeah, anything like your your, your mower, uh, you know, if you have an outboard motor, uh, in particular an outboard motor, um, chainsaws, anything like that. In fact, some of these uh, specifically warn against using any ethanol-laced fuels for just that reason. Well, how do you, and where do you buy it then if, if that's all they sell? Well, you can find regular gas. Uh, it's just a bit of a search to do it. There are stations that will have a pump that still sells 100% uh, pure gas. It typically costs a little bit more. Um, but it will not have the ethanol in it. Uh, there's a website, and I'm trying to remember, it's something like puregas.com or .org that you can go to. If you Google that, just, you know, if you Google um, pure gasoline, you can, you'll, you'll quickly find the site, and it will, by state by state, tell you uh, where there are stations available in your area to get uh, fuel without the ethanol, which you'll want to do if you have an older vehicle, generally something that was built before the early 2000s, that was not designed to, to operate on the high ethanol content fuels. So if I go to a gas station now, like a local uh, Sheets uh, convenience store, it's got lots of pumps and everything, and I get three cents off on a gallon of gas if I have a card of theirs. Anyway, uh, if I buy the fuels that have the higher octane, I always avoid mm -hmm. those because they're more expensive, but do they mm -hmm. have that ethanol in it too? Well, that's the thing. Another thing about ethanol is it has been used as an octane enhancer, so you'll find that most of the premium and mid-range uh, gasolines are indeed ethanol-laced. Um, that is one of the pluses of ethanol, though. Uh, it has allowed the car companies to make engines with higher compression ratios and not have, have engine knock because of the, the higher octane fuel that's now generally available. Okay, so that could actually be a good thing, then, if your car is knocking, right? Yes, exactly. Well, you want to, as a, just a general rule, whether we're talking ethanol or regular gasoline, you always want to use the octane fuel that your engine was designed to burn, whether that's regular grade uh, or premium grade. And usually that information uh, is readily available in the owner's manual, uh, or you can just go online and, and Google your, your make and model, and you should be able to find that. So if I buy super expensive gasoline for my old uh, Honda 
uh, Accord, it won't necessarily make the car run any faster or better or anything like that. No, actually, it could make it run worse. Octane is just a measure of burn rate. Jeez. And without getting too complicated, if you use uh, premium unleaded in an engine that was designed to mechanically, mechanically designed to use regular, uh, you actually might see a reduction in fuel economy and performance. And the reverse is equally true. Uh, you know, engines are designed by the engineers to operate on a particular octane rating of fuel. You're generally not going to hurt anything um, except your gas mileage and possibly your performance. Man, but you, you won't hurt the engine per se. Wow, you really know your car stuff. I'm talking with Eric Peters, and he is the author of the soon-to-be runaway bestseller, Don't Get Taken for a Ride. And he uh, also has a website, epautos.com. That's E for Eric, P for Peters, Autos, A-U-T-O-S dot C-O-M. What am I going to find on epautos.com? Boy, you're going to find all kinds of things. You'll find uh, evaluations uh, of, of the new cars that I test drive. Uh, you'll find historical articles about old cars, also motorcycles, new and old. And then you'll find some that delve into political issues, such as the one that we're talking about, uh, the ethanol mandate, uh, the electric car mandate. I just um, finished an article about uh, Porsche uh, joining the bums rush to electrification, and, and they're going to start building electric Porsches, which to me makes as much sense as making an electric Harley-Davidson. The heart of the car is the engine, and if you take that out of the equation, what you've got is an expensive bumper car, just a shell that's painted a different color. Nice, nice. So let's get to Walmart here. Yep. What does Walmart have to do with corn in my gas tank? Okay, it's simple. Any Anybody that sells gas, whether you are a large chain real, retailer like Walmart, which sells uh, you know through Sam's, they have the gas pumps there, or a local mom-and-pop shop, you are obligated, as we just discussed earlier, to sell a certain volume of uh, renewable fuels. That's just the, the requirement from the federal government. Um, it's called the point of obligation. That basically means the source of where the ethanol is mixed in with the fuel. Now, here's the dilemma. If you're a small mom-and-pop shop, you probably don't have a refinery. You probably don't have a blending operation, yet you have to get that fuel. So what do you do? Well, you can buy it from one of the big chains, or you can get something called a RIN, which is a renewable ID number. Um, now, this is where you get into Washington bureaucratic talk, which I'll avoid. Uh, I think a good way to explain this is to talk about uh, the carbon credit thing. Are you familiar with the carbon credit thing? Kind of, but again, I'm not exactly Mensa material. So what's, what exactly is a carbon credit? Okay. In some states, in California, for example, if you want to sell uh, a car, if you're a manufacturer, you sell cars. Uh, in order to be allowed to sell cars in that state, the law requires that you sell a certain number of zero emissions vehicles. And for all practical purposes, that means an electric car. Well, if you don't have an electric car in your inventory and you don't want to expend the money to design and build one on your own, uh, you can use carbon credits uh, bought from a company like Tesla. In other words, give Tesla money. They, you give you, they give you the credit um, for uh, not having actually made or sold the electric car. So, you know, in effect, you're subsidizing Tesla's manufacture of the electric car. Well, these renewable ID numbers work very much the same way. The smaller companies can buy them, but the big companies control them, and you have to have these things if you want to sell fuel. So a large company like Walmart or any other company like that that has a chain operation can manipulate the market artificially for these RINs and uh, jack the price up, which results in the cost of either the RIN or the fuel itself going up, 
And again, if you're a small mom and pop operation, a couple of cents per gallon either way can make all the difference between staying in business or not. Uh, for Walmart, it's not that big a deal. And that's essentially what we're talking about here. We're talking about using this renewable fuels mandate to give a large company an artificial competitive advantage over its smaller competition. So why does Walmart, if I read your story right, uh, your articles, why does Walmart want to destroy Main Street? Well, it's not that they're, you know, evilly plotting to destroy mainstream they're looking to make money that's the bottom line it's incidental that the small you know the small businesses are affected by that they are looking to maximize their revenue stream and they're taking advantage of this renewable fuels mandate uh, and all the associated bureaucratic gobbledygook that goes with it uh, to improve their competitive position in a way that a smaller manufacturer can't um, again uh, it's analogous to the car industry if I'm a small volume manufacturer it's very expensive and very difficult for me to design and build uh, an electric car. So I'm in this impossible position of either having to throw a bunch of money at an electric car or throw a bunch of money at Tesla in order to get the credit for not having built the electric car. This is unbelievable. I'm talking with Eric Peters. He's the author of the soon-to-be runaway bestseller, Don't Get Taken for a Ride, and also he is the publisher of a website, EP Autos, as in Eric Peters Autos, epautos.com. So uh, now you, my sources tell me that you used to be uh, of the conservative persuasion, and now you've morphed over to our side, the libertarian side. Yes, very much so. Uh, my transformation is complete. Cue my, my best Darth Vader voice. Nice, nice, nice. So tell me, when the Republicans are in, were in charge of everything, as again they are, their mm -hmm. rhetoric uh, says, well, we're against, you know, uh, crony capitalism and, 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 and playing favorites and blah, 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 blah. But uh, they, they allow this thing to continue. In fact, I'm wondering if maybe if they're the ones responsible for this thing. How on earth did this thing get started? Was this actually bipartisan or was this mostly a Republican thing to take care of their buddies in the Midwest? What happened? How did this thing Oh, start? unfortunately, it's both. Uh, there's a reason why the Iowa caucuses take place in Iowa. Um, you know, it's a big agricultural state, and uh, the, the corn interests um, exert tremendous influence over both parties. Uh, and this thing actually goes back decades. This began in the 80s um, when they began introducing what they called oxygenates into the fuel. Do you remember that? No. Okay, well, the idea, and it was kind of sort of semi-valid at the time, was that one way to reduce the exhaust emissions of the cars that existed at that time was to introduce these so-called oxygenates, and alcohol was one of them, into the fuel to effectively lean out the air-fuel ratio to make them run more lean. And that worked because those cars had carburetors and did not have computers. Well, fast forward, all cars since the late 80s are computer-controlled and have fuel injection, and they actually can sense the quality of the fuel, and they can self-adjust the air-fuel ratio to accommodate. So it becomes completely irrelevant to put that stuff into the fuel other than it you know, lines the pockets of the interests that manufacture the chemicals and the compounds and so on that go into the mix. Um, fast forward a little bit more, uh, the renewable fuels thing uh, really started going gangbusters around 2005, and that was when we had a Republican president. Um, and, and then Congress. again... And Congress. Yes. But then again, under Obama in 2008, the ethanol mandate got kicked up even more. So it's very much a bipartisan thing, unfortunately. 
Wow. Yeah, because in 2005, you had the Republicans controlling all branches of government. In mm -hmm. 2008, the Republicans still controlled uh, Congress. So it's like... Yep, and they've got it now, obviously. If they so, had the political will to do something about it, they could. Yeah, they don't even have the political will to keep a campaign promise of seven years to repeal Obamacare. I hate those people. Unfortunately, uh, me too. Uh, I know it's depressing, isn't it? It's be, it's it's honestly, it's like what I I don't even, I don't even recognize this country. I really I don't even recognize this country. So back to uh, Walmart and all that. Is there mm -hmm. uh, any? Oh, by the way, if I wanted to open up my own gas station, would I be forced to sell gasoline with ethanol, or could I just sell pure gas? No, no, that's the whole thing. You, you're required. Uh, there's actually a volume requirement. That's, it's, this is all just arcane bureaucratic stuff. Um, there is something called a, a renewable volume obligation. You know, the acronym is RVO, and it works in tandem with the RIN thing, the renewable identification number. And you know, you're required to sell a certain volume of this gas. And boy, if you want to open up a gas station, you don't want to know the torture that you're going to go through with the EPA as far as putting in the tanks and complying with all the permits. The last thing I'd want to do on this earth is run a gas station at the mom-and-pop level. Yeah. In fact, let me ask you about that, because I noticed that uh, some of the newer stations, uh, Sheets convenience stores uh, here in the greater Pittsburgh tri-state area, they've got this green thing, a green sign that has it's diesel, but some people say it's clean diesel or pure diesel or something that looks that sounds like less than the crappy old diesel that you're used to spewing out mm -hmm. of your exhaust pipe. What's the deal with is there is like a new diesel, a cleaner diesel? No, unfortunately it's exactly the same thing. There's a similar renewables mandate that affects diesel fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, only the difference is that the additive is based generally on soy, but it tracks very similarly. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to my diesel tank seriously unfortunately <laughs> uh, unfortunately and you know if you look at the mileage that diesel powered vehicles are getting today it's it's pretty poor compared to what they were capable of uh in the past and part of the reason for that is the fuel and part of the reason for that also uh is the epa rigmarole that they put the manufacturers through and which has put volkswagen out of the business of selling diesel vehicles well, maybe that and the fact that they were lying about their mileage might have had something to do with it, but still, that's Well, you know, in defense of them, though, yeah. this is, again, another very arcane issue, but there was a fractional, literally a fractional difference between the allowable uh, output and what VW cheated on the test uh, because they could not figure out a way to make their vehicle um, customer acceptable in terms of the performance, the mileage, and the cost, and pass the test. Right. They were the only manufacturer that was selling affordable diesel vehicles. If you look at all the other ones that are on the market, they're in high-end cars like Mercedes and BMWs uh -huh. and so on. And for, for that customer, uh, you know, paying, say, an extra $500 premium on a $45,000 car, it's, you know, it's chump change. But, but to somebody who's looking at a, a Jetta that's $21,000, you know, if you jack the price of that thing up by $500, eh, maybe I'll get a Camry instead. Right, right, right. Well, you don't have a lot of good stuff to say about Tesla. Now with the uh, Tesla Model 3 coming out that mm -hmm. supposedly is, uh, you know, for the masses, if Elon Musk can figure out a way mm -hmm. to actually mass-produce cars, we'll see. That car looks so damn cool. Why don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. I have nothing against electric cars. What I have a problem with are the massive and multi-tiered subsidies at all levels uh, that Tesla and the other manufacturers take advantage of to sell these cars. And when you say mass affordable, uh, these cars are going to be priced at a minimum of thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Mm -hmm. So to put that in some perspective, that's as much as a BMW 3 Series, uh, a Lexus ES350, uh, so-called entry-level, entry-luxury cars. 
which sort of, to my mind, defeats the purpose. If the purpose of these things is somehow to save you money on the cost of getting around, you're talking about putting people into entry luxury vehicles. Well, most people in this country, most families in this country, have an annual income of what, around $55,000, I think the figure is? Well, yeah. How does that work? But... With the te- let me play the devil's advocate because clearly yeah. you know I don't know I mean I've got an old you know Honda yeah. which works great by the way my Accord I think it's just great but the it's Tesla, a great car Tesla looks so gosh darn cool and not even the self-driving part of it with the the speed of this thing going from zero to sixty in a matter of like you know nanoseconds because of this high torque thing something about torque. Right. Um, right. That seems very cool. It's got a range that still sucks. It's roughly a couple hundred miles, but they right. have all these supercharger stations. Uh, it, let, let's pretend that money is not the issue here. Okay. What's, would you then not like the Tesla? There's still drawbacks to no. this electric car? Well, here's another problem. You mentioned the fast chargers, and, and I think that's kind of a hilarious term because the fast charge takes 30 to 45 minutes. That's the best case oh to put... 80% of the charge back into the thing. Um, how long does it take you to, fu- to fuel up your Accord? Yeah, just a couple minutes of that. Yeah, yeah, now can you imagine, just to do a thought experiment, and imagine if a third of the cars uh, on the road uh, were Teslas or electric cars, and they had to stop for 30 to 45 minutes each oh. to recharge. Oh. It's it would like, literally oh. it would implode, it would implode the economy. Why are so many people lining up to buy these things, though? He's got thousands. They're not, dollars. though. Hmm? They're not. That that is. Uh, they're, they're. It's being represented that way by the general media that seems determined to hype this stuff and and operate as the, the sort of unpaid PR adjunct of of Tesla. They're still a minuscule part of the market for just these reasons, for the cost reasons, and for the functional reasons. Wait, wait, wait. Now, what I read was uh, I read it on the internet, so chances are it might be mm-hmm. true that there were 400,000 people who each plucked down 1000 bucks to get in line to maybe get a Tesla Model 3 next year. Maybe. Well, we'll see whether that pans out. You know, $1,000 deposit is one thing. We'll see how many cars are actually delivered. Wow. So uh, we're almost out of time, Eric, and I know you're very – I mean, I could listen to you all day. I really could. But uh, I know you're very busy with all the 101 different things that you do, book signings and all that. Don't get taken for a ride. And uh, your website, uh, epautos.com. So before I hand you my microphone, because I always give my guests the last word, can you tell me if there is any hope for my listener and me? Is there anything that we can actually do about this? Yes, I do think there's something we can do. Um, One thing that's critical, I think, is that we demand um, that our representatives, our congressmen and senators, resume their constitutional obligation to be the ones that write the laws and to be held accountable for the laws that they write. Um, And what I mean by that is that right now we've got a situation where these federal agencies, uh, unelected bureaucrats in these agencies, at EPA, for example, are effectively legislators. They write regulations that have the full force and effect of law, and there's almost no recourse. There's very little that we, you and I, as ordinary citizens, can do about that. It's very difficult to remove a federal bureaucrat once they're installed. At least we have some control over our congressman and over our senator. And, again, the Constitution clearly states that the uh, the Congress shall write laws, not federal agencies. So that power has to be returned to the Congress and thus to us to exercise some control over the government. 
The other thing I would say is that uh, I'm not opposed to things like ethanol as such or to electric cars. What I'm opposed to is the government favoriting uh, a given industry and giving it an artificial competitive advantage over others, uh, often to be paid for by you and I and other ordinary people. I think that if ethanol is a good product, it should be able to succeed on its merits on the market. Let, let them put it out there and uh, offer it for sale, and if people buy it, great. And the same with regard to electric cars. I don't have any issue with Elon Musk and his electric car. If people want to buy an electric car, that's great. What I don't think is great is that people like you and I are taxed to subsidize the purchase of somebody else's expensive electric car. My goodness gracious. Well, Eric Peters, um, I always give my guests the last word, so I'm going to hand you my Shure SM70 dynamic microphone, and it's your opportunity to speak directly to my listeners. You're free to promote shamelessly your book, Don't Get Taken for a Ride, your website, epautos.com, your speaking engagements, uh, your social media, uh, repeat uh, key points you made during the interview, maybe bring up points that we have overlooked. So, Eric Peters, my microphone is yours. Well, uh, if you're interested in learning about new cars, uh, you can come to my site, epautos.com. Uh, I do uh, a new car review every week, and these are pretty extensive reviews. And I do my best to try to uh, give you a sense of the car from the perspective of somebody who might be interested in that particular car. I'm personally a, a guy who likes muscle cars and trucks and things like that, but I don't uh, allow that bias to influence uh, what I write about them. I try to provide good information uh, in a humorous way, so hopefully you'll enjoy reading the reviews and get something out of them. Um, also, we have things there about motorcycles and, uh, as we talked about on the show, some of these political topics. And I'm pretty good about being on site, live, and in real time to help with any questions that you might have, whether it's got anything to do with a new car, uh, an old car, or some other topic generally. Um, the book, Don't Get Taken for a Ride, we're actually going to be giving an e-book version of that out free uh, to everybody who is a registered member of our EP Autos community. So you'll see a little blurb at the top of the main page where you can put your email in and get on that list, and then you'll get a free copy of the book. And it's actually going to be coming out this Friday. Okay. Um, and I think that's all I've got. Any, any social media you'd like to promote as well? Twitter, um, Facebook, well, see, anything? I'm, I am on, uh, I'm on Twitter as Libertarian Car G. They wouldn't let me have guys, so I'm just Libertarian Car G. <laughs> I hate Twitter. <laughs> Twitter Me too. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter's the CNN of social media. I, mean, it's just, I just yeah, hate it is. Darcy. I just, I just hate him. Anyway, well, Eric Peters, uh, thank you so much. You were terrific. Don't Get Taken for a Ride is the name of the book. Soon to be runaway bestseller after this interview airs. Also, uh, the uh, uh, website, uh, epautos.com, E for Eric, P for Peters, epautos.com. Uh, you were terrific. Um, I wish you well. And Boy, it's a long, hard slog being a libertarian in this day and age. Yes, it is. But we're getting traction. <laughs> we are getting traction. Yeah, we need more torque, I think. But anyway, all right. I, we can always use more torque. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Dimitri. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.